Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. Thank God for another season. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books in the Bible. Not just one scripture, full chapters. And of course, I share my commentary while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word of scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith while we learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Not my will, Lord, but God's will be done by giving our lives to his son, Jesus the Christ. Hallelujah, saints. Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. I know you guys haven't heard from me in quite a long time. However, I'm here today with a very important message I have been promising to, to share with you guys for a long time. Uh, my setup here, I'm using my Kindle Fire where all of my electronic Bibles are located. So I will be teaching from the ESV, the English Standard Version today. And the name of this message is, Do You Have the Testimony of Jesus? And the reason why I entitled this message, Do You Have the Testimony of Jesus? Is because if you don't, you are not saved. And most of you, and when I say you, I'm talking about Christians, don't even know what the testimony of Jesus is. Now, when I say um, Christians, I'm not saying you are. What I'm saying is those of you who profess to be a Christian, you need to know whether or not you are saved and you will find out today. So I am suggesting that you call family and friends and y'all sit down together and listen to this message because this will be the most important message you and your family have ever heard in your entire life. It won't be a long message. As a matter of fact, you know what? I don't know. I don't know how long this message will be, however long the Holy Spirit leads me. So before we get into this message, um, um, let's, let's say a prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you today first with thanksgiving. I thank you, Lord, for allowing me this platform to share with those whom you feel needs to hear this message. Heavenly Father, your word never returns to you void. It goes out and accomplishes that which you have set it out to do. I thank you, Lord, that you will open the minds of those who are listening so that they can understand this message and their hearts, open their hearts, Lord, so that they can believe and receive this message and move on and have a victorious life in your precious son, Jesus the Christ. Amen. All right, saints. Now, I want you to turn to the book of Revelation. It is not revelations. It do not have an S on the end. 
It is the book of Revelation. Go to chapter 19. I am already there, of course, because I have an electronic Bible. You can always pause the tape. And when you find the scriptures, then you can resume. But I will be reading chapter 19, verses 9 and 10. And then I will give you an explanation of these scriptures. Very important. So I am reading. And the angel said to me, now, the angel is talking to John. John wrote the book of Revelation. John Mark, not John the Baptist. John Mark wrote the book of Revelation. An angel spoke to him at times, and at times Jesus spoke to him. So right now, it is an angel speaking to John. Okay? And an angel, and the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Verse 10, then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now I want to point out something here. Did you see how quickly that angel stopped him from bowing down to him? The angel said, look, I'm, I'm not God. Uh-uh. No, I'm just a messenger. I'm just telling you what the Holy Spirit sent me to tell you. But I want you to pay attention to something the angel said. Okay, he told John, and the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The Lamb is, is Jesus, okay? And those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb are the disciples. That's us, those who are in Christ, who will be dressed in fine white linen. And will be called his bride. These are the true words of God. Verse 10. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. No, we don't worship angels. We don't pray to angels and we don't worship angels. Okay. But he, he who the angel said to me, you must not do that. Do what? You don't fall, fall down and worship me. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. That's us. Worship God. The angel is redirecting him. We have people today worshiping other people, people they can see, and they are not being corrected by these people, these so-called worship leaders. People literally worshiping them. Oh, that's a no-no. That is a no-no. And he said, he who the angel, worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, what is the spirit of prophecy, saints? Do anybody know? Hmm. The spirit of prophecy means this entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation is about Jesus. That's what the spirit of prophecy is. Jesus is the center point of this entire Bible. Now we're going to go to our uh, next scripture so that I can explain to you what the testimony of Jesus is. And if you already have it, God bless you. If you don't, I'm going to explain to you the testimony of Jesus, and why it is so important that you have it, okay? Go to Matthew. Now, I have to uh, find it in my electronic Bible so we can search together, or you can pause the tape, and by the time you come back, um, I would have found it too. So, go to Matthew chapter 16. Yes, 
the book or the gospel according to Matthew chapter 16. And I will begin reading at, at verse 13. Okay. Verse 13. Now, this is Peter, uh, Jesus questioning some of the disciples at the time. They were not apostles yet. Disciples at the time. Who do people say that he is? Listen. Verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Verse 14. And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or, or one of the prophets. Now, talking about Muslims too, saying Jesus was just a prophet. No, he was not. He's more than that. You are going to find out today he is more than that. You have, to, you have to be careful who you listen to when it comes to talking about who Jesus is, okay? Let the scriptures tell you who Jesus is. You know, I can't, um, for the life of me, figure out how you got all these scriptures, even in the Old Testament, and you, you skipping the part where they talk about Jesus. Mm, I can't figure that out, but anyway... Verse 13, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Talking about himself, verse 14. And they said, some, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Verse 15, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? See, Jesus is personal. He is a personal savior. But I want you to listen carefully to what Peter says. Now, he's talking to several of them, but Peter says, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And I want you to pay careful attention to what Jesus says to Peter. Verse 17, and Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Now, this is very important. I need to explain this to you. Only God can reveal to you who Jesus is here. If God has revealed to you who Jesus is, if you know in your heart who Jesus is, there's no mistake about it. There's no questioning of it. God revealed that to you. So what Jesus is saying here, God revealed that to you. So he knew Peter's heart was right. Okay, let me read that again. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Man didn't tell that to Peter, just like man didn't reveal to me who Jesus is. God did. I may have heard the gospel from man because you cannot hear without a preacher. That's written too. But it was God who searched my heart when I heard that message to find out whether or not I was sincere enough to, to receive that message about his son, Jesus, the Christ the son of the living God. That's the testimony of Jesus. That is the testimony that every man is supposed to have. Now, I wasn't going to add this, but right here, the uh, Holy Spirit is telling me to read this so that I can explain. Verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall, shall not prevail against it. Oh, I said something there. And right here, we have millions of people, millions or being misled right here because they misunderstand this scripture. When Jesus said, you are Peter and on this rock, I want you to notice this. He didn't say you are Peter and, and upon you. He said, you are Peter and upon this rock. What is the rock? 
The rock is the statement that Peter made that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The gates of hell or Hades can't prevail against that. Against what? That Jesus being the Christ, the son of the living God, the Christ meaning the anointed one who was to come. He is the rock. You have to remember Peter, Petro, it, it means little stone, small stone. You know, good and well, God didn't build his church on Peter. If that was the case, why the rest of the Bible doesn't talk about Peter being the rock? No, the Bible talks about Jesus being the rock. He is the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected. Who are the builders? The builders are the religious leaders. They rejected Jesus, who is the chief cornerstone. And upon this rock, the church of God is supposed to be built upon that statement that Peter made, that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. If you didn't know before, you know now. Okay, don't you let nobody deceive you. Don't you let anybody working for the devil deceive you into believing that Jesus is not the son of God. We have, uh, and I'm going to use this, I'm not putting them down, but I'm putting their teachings down. Muslims say that God can't have a son. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Jesus said, uh, flesh and blood, man didn't reveal that to you, but my father who is in heaven, my father who is in heaven is God. God reveals to us who Jesus is. He is the Christ, the anointed one who was to come, who Moses was talking about, the son of the living God. This is in scripture. So who you going to believe? People who just don't know. But you know what I, I realized over the years? People have the tendency to reject what they don't understand. They don't get this because their heart is not right. And God is not going to reveal to you who his son is if your heart is not right. Mm -mm. You have allowed the devil to creep into your mind to cast doubt on these scriptures. No, no. I stand here before you today healed and doing well from a stroke I had back in March. You see me today, you wouldn't know I had a stroke. You wouldn't know I had it because I believe I'm healed and God healed me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now we know what religion or what denomination has misunderstood these scriptures. It's the Catholic Church, Catholicism. Uh-huh. They built a whole church around Peter. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Do you see what misunderstanding these scriptures can cause? Mm-hmm. Let me read verse 19 because they misunderstand verse 19 too. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He's talking to all of us, all the disciples. You got to remember Peter was a disciple and he was standing amongst other disciples. But these scriptures are written for us too. Those who are believers, believers that Jesus is the Christ, not was. And he is the son of the living God. And right now he is alive today, seated at God's right hand. That's what sets him apart from everyone. He is alive. That's why they never found his bones in, in, in his tomb. Because when he rose, he rose in a full body. Yes, he did. He didn't rise from that grave, grave with, spirit, with just his spirit. His whole body got up. He defeated the devil. Yes, he did. Our salvation comes from the resurrection not the cross. The forgiveness of sins, I don't want to get ahead of myself, comes from him dying on the cross. But his resurrection is where our victory is. That's why we need to stay at the foot of the tomb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Verse 20, then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. He wasn't ready to reveal that yet because he knew the minds and hearts of people. They wanted to kill him. Yeah, they wanted to kill Jesus. And I want you to remember, we need to say it again. What is your testimony? Your testimony is in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. No, verse 16. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's our testimony right there. That is having the testimony of Jesus. Oh no, I not just I believe, I know he is the Christ and he is the son of the living God. That is our testimony. Now, I want you to go to John uh, chapter six. I want to read verse 60 through 65. This is after some of the disciples abandoned Jesus after he was telling them about him being the bread of life and they had to eat his bread and drink of his blood, but they didn't understand that he was talking about his words, not eating his flesh or literally drinking his blood. He was talking about his words. So beginning at verse 60 and I will end at 65. Therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Verse 61, Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were complaining about this, asked them, does this offend you? Verse 62, then what if you were to observe the son of man ascending to where he was before? Verse 63, the spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. Our flesh means nothing. Anything we do in the flesh, meaning works to try to please God, is not going to work. It has to be our spirit. We must be born again by the spirit, okay? The spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. See, that's what he was talking about. But some had left him already because they didn't understand. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Verse 64. But there are some among you who don't believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who would not believe and the one who would betray him. Now, you know, Jesus, the Christ knows all things. When Jesus said, the word says he knew from the beginning who they were. You got to remember Judas Iscariot. He knew that Judas was going to betray him. Remember when Jesus was talking to the disciples, preferably Peter, he said, haven't I chosen you to 12 and one of you is a devil? Just before they even knew Judas was a Benedict Arnold. Now let's go to 1 John chapter 5. I'm still talking about the testimony of Jesus. Verse, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 5. And who is the one who conquers the world, but the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. That's our testimony, saints. How people can miss all these scriptures. That is how, that, that is how and why we are also called overcomers. Overcomers. Because we believe that Jesus is the son of God. That's our testimony, uh, saints. Don't let nobody um, go through these scriptures and, and dissect and make you think something else. We overcome the world by having this testimony. Listen now, who is it? Now, Peter, we heard Peter said back in Matthew. Now, this is John. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? That's our testimony. Okay. Hallelujah. That's a very important scripture here. So you need to write down these scriptures. And uh, see, I'm certified in Christian apologetics. That is, um, 
defending the gospel. I can defend the gospel to anybody and any religion. Uh, what I tell, because I get a lot of emails from Muslims and, and, and when I respond to them with the word of God, because you got to understand Muslims don't know the Bible. They are specifically told not to read the Bible. And I'm telling you why, because they will see that what they have been told about Jesus is a lie. I had someone tell me, um, he wasn't being mean. He was just saying, Dr. Kamala D, uh, and he from Iran somewhere. Um, Jesus was just a man. And I said, and this was what my response was to him. Cause I respond with love. My job is to lead people to Christ, not run them. And I'm not arguing with anybody. The word is the word. The word will be here when you and I are gone. The word is going to remain. And when I say the word, I'm talking about the word of God. Jesus will live forever. My response to him was, well, the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. And I said, so you are leaning on your own understanding, which is why you can't understand who Jesus is. And apparently you don't know the Bible. So I sent him some of these scriptures and I never heard from him again. You know why? Because the devil have been leading Muslims for years. That's his job to lead you away from Christ because that's the only way you can be saved. You can't be saved another way. You can't. His job is to lead you away from Christ and create doubt in your mind about who Jesus is because Jesus is the Savior. And I never heard from him again. And I said, he probably sitting down pondering, well, what, what I was told, no, I'm going to just stick with, stick with Islam. I'm going to stick with what Muhammad wrote. Now, this message ain't about Muhammad, but anybody who can find the word Muhammad in the Holy Bible, please let me know. Muhammad not in this Bible. But yet Jesus ended up in the Quran. How did Jesus get in the Quran? Mohammed put him in there. He read these scriptures about Jesus, didn't believe it because he wanted to be the man. And he puts little template, templates of Jesus in the Quran and put in there, he's just a, uh, a servant to Allah. You won't even hear the word Allah mentioned in the Bible. Do you? Is the word Allah written in our Bible? No, it's not. Now, for those of you who don't know, and this is fact, the Bible was written 600 years before the Quran. One man wrote the Quran. His name is Muhammad. And um, he said the angel Gabriel met him in the cave and started slamming him into the walls of the cave until he wrote the Quran. Now, if that's not somebody suffering from mental illness, I don't know who is. But why would, and then they, they will tell you that we, we serve the same God. No, we don't. No, y'all serve an idol God. Uh, the, a moon God. That's who, who Allah is, a moon God. But Jesus created the moon. So the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. Okay. And if you don't lean on your own understanding and read and, un and, and accept what's written and stop trying to challenge it, you will be okay. God will reveal to you who his son is because only God can reveal to you who Jesus is. That's Bible too. Now I want you to go to Romans chapter 10. This is very important as well. Romans chapter 10. Mm-hmm. Some of you may know what scripture I'm going to. Romans. Romans chapter 10. And we're going to start at verse 8. Okay. <sighs> now, this is the apostle um, Paul talking to a bunch of Romans about Jesus. 
and about how we, our confession and what we believe can lead to our salvation. Now, this is associated with our testimony too. It's just worded differently. But at the end of the day, our testimony is Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Okay. Verse eight. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth. What word? Our testimony in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Verse nine, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes and is justified, meaning set, set aside, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. saved. Verse 11, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him, him who Jesus will not be put to shame. Verse 12, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all. We, there's only one Lord. And the reason why they say Jew and Greek, because everyone who is not a Jew is a Greek. Okay. Or Gentile. If you're not a Jew, you are Greek or Gentile. Simple as that. So this is talking about everyone on the planet. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord over all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The ground has been leveled so that anyone who call on the Lord Jesus Christ can be saved and will be saved and is saved today if you have called on the Lord Jesus. Now, let me break this down to you. Verse nine, because if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, that is the confession. The confession is, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So confession and believing has to go together. You can't just say, yeah, yeah, Jesus is the son of God, but you don't believe it in your heart. No, you ain't say you have to have this together. Confession and believing is like a coin. One is heads, one is tails. That coin is not legitimate unless it has heads and tails on it. Your salvation is not legitimate unless you confess who Jesus is and, and you believe it in your heart. And then you can't just believe, well, yeah, God raised him from the dead, but yet you don't confess, confess him as Lord and Savior or being the Christ, the son of the living God. And I'm saying this because there are some religions out there that teach contrary to what I just told you. Okay. It teaches contrary to what I just told you. Oh uh, yeah. Well, yeah, he may have raised from the dead, but you know, he still was just a man. What man, you know, can raise from the dead. Only God can do that. Only God, the miracles that Jesus performed while he walked this earth tells you who he is. That's why Jesus said, you know, you need to search the scriptures in them. You think you have eternal life for they speak of me, but you rejected me. You didn't even listen to Moses. And we're going to get to those scriptures too. Um, go, go, go to, I want to read, uh, revelations chapter 12, go to revelation chapter 12. Uh, it just came to me. I want to share this scripture with you. Yes. The book of Revelation chapter, what did I say? 12. And we're going to begin at verse nine. Okay. This is important too. Um, and the great dragon was thrown down that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Uh-huh. 
just like we have a Holy Spirit and we have God um, has has given angels the task to watch over, you know, his people. The devil is roaming this earth, seeking whom he may devour, but he's not by himself. He has his day, his angels with him. Yes, the devil has his angels with him. Um, he was cast down from heaven. Look, was thrown down that ancient serpent who was also an alias for devil, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He has deceived people into thinking that you can get to God through religion. You are saved if you follow a denomination. Um, you can take many avenues or roads to God. That's not true. That is not true. The only way you can get to God is through Jesus. And the last scripture that I'm going to read in this message is going to confirm that because it's going to come from the master Jesus himself. So verse 10, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. The accuser is Satan. He can no longer accuse us of anything. His words doesn't matter. His words doesn't matter. And I'm going to read to you why it doesn't matter. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. Uh-huh. Who accuses them day and night before our God. Verse 11. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony. What is that? Jesus Christ. He is the Christ. Jesus the son of the living God. That's what defeats Satan. That is how we are conquerors. Okay. They love not their lives even unto death. Meaning I'm, I'm going to use me as an example. My life don't come first. Christ does. God is first in my life. You can't say God is first in your life, but yet everything you do is about what you want and his wants and needs are on your back burner. No, God is first in my life. We overcome the, um, the, the blood of the lamb. And who is the lamb? Jesus. Jesus is the lamb. And by the word of their testimony, their te he's talking about us, the saints. That's how we overcome the devil, that serpent, that dirty old serpent, the devil. He is also known as our accuser before God. His, his accusations means nothing today. Absolutely nothing. You remember the uh, devil had a conversation with God about Job. He was walking the earth to and fro. He was seeking whom he may devour. And he asked God, no, God asked him, what about you? Have you considered my servant uh, Job? And, and uh, apparently the devil had been. He, had, he noticed that there was a hedge of protection around Job. He couldn't get to Job. And he told God, if you take away all of his riches, he will curse you. You to this day, because Job was filthy rich. He was the richest man back in that time. And God knew that Job wouldn't do it. He knew he wasn't going to let uh, Satan kill him. And God removed the hedge of protection and said, go for it. Now, most of you think, and so do I. I. I thought it before. I still think it today. That was a cruel thing to do. To allow Job to suffer like that just to prove a point. And a lot of people think that the story of Job was just an allegory. You know, it was just a story. Could have been. But there's a lesson to be learned there. You got to remember at the end, Job really didn't know God. Look, his intentions was right. His heart was right. But he didn't know God. He didn't have a relationship with God. And in the end, he did. He learned whom God really was. 
but he never turned his back on God, but he accused God of doing all those horrible things to him. And if you read the story of Job, I get a lesson about that. You will learn that God didn't do anything to Job. Satan did. He allowed it, but he also told Satan, you won't be able to take his life. I don't care how sick you are. If you belong to God, God, God tells, tells you when your life will end, not Satan. Satan is the one who puts sickness on you today. Don't give him a foothold. God is the healer. Down the line, probably, uh, I'm not going to mention that, it, um, but I could tell you this. He couldn't get me because it was Satan who put uh, a stroke on me. It was not God. We are under the dispensation of grace. We are not under the law. The law, um, the dispensation of the law was punishment, judgment, and sickness. Grace, there is forgiveness of sins. There is healing. There is deliverance. Oh, yes. God provides for you. He is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. We are under grace. So don't you ever think all the evil things you see going on in the world and happening to people that God is associated with it because he's not. Uh-uh. No, not, not the God I know. Absolutely not. I remember that, that very night I was having that stroke. And I remember I said, Lord, you said you will never leave me or forsake me. I know what's happening to me because I know the signs. And a soft voice whispered to me, you're going to be okay. And I never doubted since. I knew I would recover. Okay. I knew I would recover. Now, you know, I just read that, um, we overcome, um, him, him who the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. We already know what the word of our testimony is. Now I'm about to confirm to you that, uh, who Jesus is. He is, he was also the lamb of God now. Oh yeah. Go to John. John chapter one. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, how I have an electric Bible and, and having a difficulty finding <laughs> Go to John chapter 1, saints, and verse 29. Verse 29. Now, verse 29, this John the Baptist, who was baptizing people in the Jordan River, he saw Jesus coming, and this is what he said. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what John the Baptist said. So he knew who Jesus was. The Lamb of God, that was our sacrificial lamb who shed his blood for our sins. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Everything, bad thing we've done in our life, the main sin is apostasy. Turning your back on the true and living God. John said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He recognized who Jesus was. He had not seen his cousin. John and Jesus were cousins. You got to remember, John was Elizabeth's son. Yeah, the angel came to her and told her she was going to have a son who was going to come in the power of Elijah. He was not going to be Elijah, but he was going to have that power. John, let me tell you something. John wasn't to be played with. He didn't care who you were. He would call you out your name behind Jesus, especially, he didn't care if you were a religious leader. He knew you were an adulteress. You were involved in idolatry. Y'all were worshiping gods that didn't exist. So John had no respect for you. And I don't have respect for anybody who is not worshiping the true and living God. I don't care how nice you are. I have Muslim friends where I live. Um, 
We've never had a conversation, but I am waiting. I am waiting patiently for that door to open for me to tell them who Jesus is and show them the scriptures. Because what I do know, because I read um, a book by Nabil Qureshi, it's called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. He was seeking the true and living God and God led him straight to his son by the words of a uh, roommate in college. Nabil, born and raised a Muslim, born in another country. He came to America to go to school. We were under Muslim Islamic laws and he never knew what the Bible said about Jesus. He only knew what the Quran said and the Hadith. The Hadith is a book like the New Testament is in the Holy Bible. Um, the um, apostles wrote about Jesus, what they saw uh, him do. They were with him. They wrote what he said. The Hadith are uh, the apostles of Muhammad. They wrote about what they saw him do, what they heard him say, and that was an evil man, and we have people following his teachings. Uh-huh. He had wives as young as six years old, written by his wife, Aisha, in the Hadith. I have them. I have the Hadith and I have the Quran. I ain't nothing holy about it. Nothing. And the Bill Qureshi... He said that they were taught never to read the Bible. You know why? Because they would see the truth. But it was when he was going through a, tr a tough time, he could not find any uh, surahs. They don't call them scriptures in the uh, Quran. They call them surahs, which means rows, like row, row, row your boat, to comfort him. And his Christian friend, who he was roommates with in college, told him about Jesus. And he read... When Jesus said, come to me, all you who are labored and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that's how he found Jesus. And he never looked back. His whole family turned their back on him. And he went to school to be a doctor. He was a medical doctor. And uh, I don't want to turn this uh, message about him, but I'm telling you how, we have to, how and why we have to get the word out. We need to get the word out. Because they have people who have been told lies about Jesus because they don't know this Bible. We have so-called Christians who don't know this Bible. And as a result, they are not saved. Nobody can come tell you anything and you will just believe it and roll with it. Just roll with the wind. If it sounds good to you, I'm going to roll with it. And it be contrary to what is written. We, are, we have more scriptures today, Christians, to follow and to get to know the true and living God than they did back then. Because they didn't have... These scriptures in the New Testament that I'm reading now, they only had the Old Testament that talked about the coming of the Messiah. Okay. They didn't have the New Testament that we have. So, um, I just read to you verse 29 again, since, you know, I digress for a second. Um, the next day he saw Jesus who, uh, John, John was baptizing people in the Jordan river coming toward him. And he said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and I read this scripture to tell you who Jesus is the lamb too. We overcome them by the blood of the lamb. The lamb is Jesus. And by the word of our testimony, he is the son. He is the Christ, the son of the living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so let's, I, I, I want you to go to um, that same, we in, yeah, the same book, John, but this time we are going to chapter five. Yes, chapter five. Go to chapter five. And what verse do I want to read? 
Oh, wow. Okay. Verse 37. I'm going to begin at verse 37, but I don't know where I'm going to end up. But um, John chapter 5, verse 37, and I am reading. This is Jesus talking about the importance of reading and understanding these scriptures. And the father who sent me, he's talking to these unbelieving Pharisees, okay? And the father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen. Verse 38. And you do not have his word abiding in you. He's talking about these religious leaders who are worshiping idol gods whom they created in their own minds. Okay? Because if they had known the scriptures, they would have known who Jesus was. And we're talking about Old Testament scriptures, not the New Testament. Because we do you know we have some Christians, some Baptist churches that don't read nothing from the New Testament? And that's where our new covenant is? That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So just because somebody say have the name Jesus on a church don't mean they're teaching the truth now here. Because the devil is cunning and he is clever. And he is very deceptive and he can deceive you by allowing you to say the word Jesus and have you believing in something else. Because if you don't believe that you are saved by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony, you ain't saved. Because we are, we are saved by grace through faith, not of works. Faith. Okay, let me, let me continue because um, we just had uh, almost 40 minutes. Uh, verse 38. And you do not have his word abiding in you. His word is what? Jesus. He didn't say words. He said word. For you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You ain't believe in him and God sent him. That's what Jesus is saying. Verse 39. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they, they what? The scriptures that bear witness about me. Mm-hmm. Mm, mm. I'm not finished. Verse 40. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. It's the scriptures that tell you about Jesus, how you can obtain salvation and how you can obtain life. It is the Holy Scriptures that tell you about Jesus. And he ain't talking about the New Testament because it wasn't written. And he's talking about the Old Testament scriptures. Okay. Verse 41. I do not receive glory from people. You know, Jesus used to tell them, you know, with this subtle voice, I don't receive glory from people. Uh-uh, verse 42. But I know that you do not have the love of God within you. Verse 43. I have come in my Father's name, in the name of God, and you do not receive me. If, if another comes in his own name, you will receive him. Mohammed, Buddha, Jim Jones came in his own name and people received him. He ain't just talking to non-believing uh, Jews. He's talking to Muslims too. Somebody come in their own name, you're going to believe him. Coming in the name of Muhammad, I'm speaking for Allah. I, I, man, the word, the, the word Allah not even in the Bible. Okay, verse 44. Have you, I mean, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? There's only one God, saints. You believe in one another, but you, when you receive glory from one another, but you do not seek the glory that comes from the only true and living God. My Lord, my Lord, that's scary voice. Verse 45, do not think that I will accuse you to the father. Don't think that there is one who accuses you, Moses. Okay, Jesus is bringing up Moses. 
okay, who was also a prophet and a deliverer, okay, on whom you have set your hope. You have set your hope on the words that Moses told you. But listen, verse 46, for if you believed Moses, you will believe me for he wrote of me. Moses wrote about Jesus. Now I'm going to tell you this here because I, I need to share. I have Muslims that listens to me all over this country, all over this world. They said that the prophet that Moses was talking about that was coming was, was Muhammad. That's what, they, <laughs> that's fun. That's, you know, tough for me to say, cause it's so comical. You, you, you won't find that in scripture. Cause do you know, they talk about Moses and Samuel is written in the Quran. They put scriptures from our, the, the old Testament into the Quran. Muhammad did one man wrote, uh, the Quran. One man didn't write the Bible. Prophets of old wrote as the spirit moved them. It was put in book form. There was no um, private interpretation from those prophets. They moved as God told them to write. And the reason we knew that they were legit is because what they wrote came to pass. And the Bible is clear. And I'm going to read that probably in a few. That which the prophet says that do not come to pass did not come from God. And you ain't got to fear him. If what the prophet says is coming from God, that's going to come to pass and it never comes to pass. It didn't come from God. Okay. So, uh, let me read 45 again. I know y'all heard it, but y'all need to read it. Read, uh, hear this. Do not think that I, I will accuse you to the father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believe Moses, you would believe, you would believe me for he wrote of me. The uh, last verse I'm going to read is 47. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my word? Jesus said, you don't even believe Moses, but you set your hope in Moses. See, they were phony. You will mention Moses just like uh, Muslims. They'll read about Moses and that's, that story about Moses was distorted. But you don't believe what Moses said about coming of the uh, Messiah. Now, with that said, I think I need to go here because I want you to see it. Go to Deuteronomy. We're going to read what Moses said. Um, Deuteronomy. Oh, goodness. Goodness. Are y'all still hanging with me, saints? Still hanging with me? Um, Deuteronomy chapter 18. Yes. Chapter 18. And I will begin reading at verse... 14. Okay. I'm going to read from verse, uh, verses 14 to 22 for these nations, which you are about to dispossess, listen to fortune tellers and to diviners listening to Miss Cleo in them. That's who they listening to. And, and Moses is saying, look, these are the nation nations whom you are about to dispossess. He rescued them from those nations. Um, but as for you, the Lord, your God has not allowed you to do this. Do what? Listen to diviners and fortune tellers. Uh, uh, verse 15, the Lord, your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him. You shall listen right here is where Moses is talking about Jesus. And Moses is not the only prophet. Um, that spoke about uh, God sending the final prophet, but also his son, mm -hmm, whom you will listen. And 
we um it's very important that that uh I go into this next scripture after I read this though so you can understand that not everybody didn't know about these scriptures. They had some people that knew. And I'm going to read the ones in the New Testament that knew about what Moses said. So um, verse 16, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Herab on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see that great fire anymore, lest I die. Now right here, Moses is talking about, I think it's first, uh, first Samuel chapter 8. Well, the children of Israel um, said that, see, the voice of God used to speak to them directly to the children of Israel like, like thunder, and it terrified them. And they went to Moses and said, we don't want God talking directly to us. Uh-uh. We want to hear from you. And Moses said, because Moses wasn't going to live forever, so Moses is reminding them what they said. He said, let me not hear again what y'all said. Y'all said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord, my God, or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. Verse 17. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. Verse 18. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. He's talking about Jesus, the final word of God. And I will put my words in his mouth. Remember Jesus said the words I say are not my words. That's, that's, that's what Jesus was talking about right here. When he was referring to those unbelieving Pharisees about what Moses said. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak, who? Jesus, the Messiah, shall speak in my name. I myself will require of him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Verse 20. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods. Allah, mm -hmm. that same prophet shall die. Now, of course, for those of you who don't know, but I'm not going to go there. It's in the book of Revelation. Um, the reason that the lake of fire and brimstone was created was for the devil and the false prophets mm -hmm. and his angels, the devil, his angels and the false prophet. And it was specifically created for them. But since we have a, a bunch of non-believers, they're going to follow the devil into the lake of, of fire and brimstone. That is the second devil. Hell is the first death. When you first die, any non-believer, you're going straight to hell. Christians who pass away go into the bosom of Jesus. Then when judgment day come, that's not the time for you to plead your case why you didn't believe in Jesus here. Now is the, is the time. Today is the day of salvation. You can't wait until you die and then judgment day comes. You're going to go before God in the great white throne judgment and he's going to explain to you why you are going into the lake of fire and brimstone. And that is from hell to the lake of fire and brimstone. There's two burning places, hell and the lake of fire and brimstone. And the only way you can avoid both is by having the confession or the testimony of Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And he is alive right now, seated at God's right hand. Verse 21. Let me see how many I'm going to read. Um, I'm going to read all the way to verse um, <sighs> 22. Okay. We had 21. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? Verse 22. Here it is. This is very important. When a prophet, this is Moses speaking. Okay. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, 
That is a word that the Lord has not spoken. That's what Moses is saying. If the prophet prophesies and tells you something is going to happen and it does not come to pass, it did not come from God. Okay. Uh, let me read that again. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. You ain't got to worry about him. He ain't no prophet of God. Uh-uh. He, he is not a prophet of God. So that is how you can tell who is a false prophet. And we don't have any prophets prophesying about um, the end times anymore. John, um, Jesus gave John, also known as John the Revelator, revelation to write about the end times. Okay. And the canon of scripture is closed. So you don't have to worry about nobody coming. If we prophesy today, we prophesy, we are prophesying scriptures that are already written. The prophecy of scripture is the entire, um, this entire Bible, its message is centered around the Christ. Yes, it is. Its entire message is centered around the Christ. Now, go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. This is very important too. This is Jesus, Jesus at Jacob's well. He runs into this Samaritan woman. And I'm going to tell you, uh, read about what she said. And why she said what she said. So apparently she, she believed what Moses said. Yes, she did. She knew it and she believed it. John chapter four. Oh, we're going to begin at verse three and I'm going to read all the way to verse 26. Yeah, because, because I want you to hear this. Oh, John four, verse three. So you can pause the tape and um, when you find it, you can come back. Okay, he left Judea, who he who, Jesus, and departed again for Galilee, verse 4. And he had to pass through Samaria, verse 5. So he came to a, a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph, verse 6. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Now, they've had people that say to me, how can God get weary? Well, you got to remember, Jesus was 100% God in spirit and 100% man in flesh. His flesh, flesh was weary. Okay, also mentally. Um, verse seven, but he did this on purpose. Jesus never did anything accidentally. He always had a purpose. For what he did, he stopped at that well on purpose so that he can meet this Samaritan woman and have a conversation uh, to her about the Messiah. Listen, verse seven, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. He initiated the conversation with her. Verse eight, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Verse nine, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Now, the Jews and the Samaritans were beefing. But for those of you who don't know, Samaritans were Jews too. They were from Ju uh, the, um, the tribe of Israel and the tribe of Judah. Israel had 12 tribes. Judah mixed with other ethnicities and those from the Israelites didn't speak to them because of that. See, they was mixing up their ethnicities back then. The, uh, they were all mixed. And Jesus is from the tribe of Judah, not an Israelite, tribe of Judah. 
Okay. Verse um, nine again. Let me start over. I'm not going to digress because I want us to get through. Okay. But I know this should be interesting to you guys. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Verse 10. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, you know, Jesus was saying something. This lady did not understand what he was talking about. Yes, that living water is the word of God. Okay, verse 11. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. Jesus didn't have nothing to draw water with. So, you know, he didn't go there to get a drink. He went there to strike up a conversation with this woman. And the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Verse 12. Are you greater than our father Jacob? This is what this woman is asking him. He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Lord, the livestock drank from the well too. Uh, verse 13. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. That's regular water for your physical body. But, verse 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, you know, Jesus have to give you some powerful water if it is going to bring you up or welling you up to eternal life. Whatever a uh, version you may have, don't forget I'm reading from the English Standard Version. We may have a uh, difference in the wording, but we are in the same place. Verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and, and come here. And you know, the look on that lady face had to be what? So she turns around, verse 17, the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. Verse 18, for you have had five husbands. Now, how could Jesus have known that? You know, Jesus was God in the flesh. He knew everything about anybody he encountered before he even had a conversation with them. This is just one of the people. He knew everything about Peter. Yeah, he knew everything about Nathaniel. He knew everything about John, about Mark, about Matthew. Jesus knew about everybody he encountered before they even knew who he was or before he saw them. Um, verse 18 again, for you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Verse 19, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Verse 20, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Uh, wait, it sounds like something missing there. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Verse 21, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem where you worship the father. Oh, and baby, that time has come. Honey, we don't worship God in temples made by hands. Honey, we can worship God anywhere. You can worship God on the toilet while taking a shower. I know I do. Laying in your bed, sitting in your car, riding to work. I know I do. Uh, verse 22, you worship what you do not know. This is Jesus talking to her. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. Ugh. Verse 23, but the hour is coming and is now here. 
Now, when Jesus says salvation is of the Jews, he's saying that the Messiah is coming out of the Jews. Okay, this is what he's talking. That's why you need teachers to interpret these scriptures. Okay, uh, verse 23. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers. Now, the fact that Jesus said true worshipers will tell you it implies that they are false worshipers. Why would he even have to say true? Where, when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth. For the father is seeking such people to worship him. Verse 24. God is spirit, not a spirit. He is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth, not in our physical works. Okay. Verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. So apparently she knew what Moses was talking about. He who is called Christ. Messiah and Christ mean the same thing. They are interchangeable. Messiah means Christ in Hebrew. Christ means Messiah in Greek. Okay. It's the same thing. Um, when he comes, he will tell us all things. Now, I want you to pay attention what she said. She said, when he comes, he will tell us all things. Who, who said that? Who said the Messiah is going to tell us all things? Moses did. So this woman knew the scriptures that Moses said. So I thought Moses was talking about Muhammad. That's what the uh, Muslims say. No, this woman, she knew. Now I want you to listen. When he comes, he will tell us all things. She got that from Moses. And Jesus knew it before he engaged in a conversation with this woman. Verse 27. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was, uh, wait, no, verse 26. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now, the Muslims said Jesus never said he was the Messiah. And the reason they could say that is because they don't know these scriptures. Uh-huh. Yeah, silence for reflection to every Muslim listening. Because, uh, look, I appreciate you listening because you're seeking truth. If you tuned in, you are seeking truth. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. He who? The Messiah. The Lion of Judah is coming. The one who is going to tell you all things. Not Muhammad. Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. So you're going to dispute Jesus? See, most Muslims, and I take my, look. I, I, I'm not putting you down because my, my quest is to lead you to the true and living God. Just like Nabil Qureshi found him. You need to get his book. It was a number one bestseller. He sold millions. Seeking Allah and finding Jesus. Yes, God will lead you to the true and living God if your heart is willing to or is, is destined to find the true and living God. God will lead you straight to Jesus like he did Nabil Qureshi. Just open your heart and receive him. Yes. I want you to keep that in mind, what the Samaritan woman said. She said, verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. She got that from Moses. Do you hear me? She read the scriptures. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. He was the one that Moses said is coming, who is going to tell you everything because Moses knew he was going to die. He was going to pass away. But he knew that years to come, and this was hundreds of thousands of years later, he said, look, God is going to send you a prophet like me. Why did, why did Moses say a prophet like me? Because Moses was a deliverer. Moses delivered the children of Israel out of the hands of the Egyptians. 
that the Egyptians held them in bondage, meaning slavery, for over 450 years. And Moses delivered them out of the hands of the Egyptians. And Moses said, he's going to send you a prophet like me. Why not Isaiah compared to him? Why not Jeremiah? Why not Elijah? Why not Joel? Hmm? Why not Jonah? No, he said, like me, because he is a deliverer. And so is Christ, the final deliverer. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that was Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. So I want you to go to John chapter 1. Chapter 1. There's only two more scriptures I'm going to share with you. One in John and one in Genesis. John chapter 1 and go to verse 45. I'm going to read verses 45 through 49. This is very important. You need to hear this. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, this is Philip saying, we found who Moses said. I'm Right now, I'm proving to you that who Moses was talking about was talking about Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now don't let that throw you off. Joseph was Mary's husband, but he was not Jesus's father. Jesus was the son of the living God, but they, they didn't know this yet. They just knew this was the prophet that Moses was talking about that Moses wrote about in the law, Moses in the law. And also the prophets wrote, Moses was not the only prophet that wrote about Jesus. He and this is Philip saying, and also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Joseph was Mary's husband, and yes, that's why Jesus also called himself the son of man because he knew people didn't understand Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, whatever um, it, um, version of the Bible you have. She was impregnated, impregnated by the Holy Spirit, God. God planted his seed in, Mo, in, in Mary's womb, okay? And verse 46, Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Verse 48, Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? I told you Jesus knew everybody, just like he know you. He know what you did last night. That's why you need to go on and confess your sins. Confess. God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He knew Nathaniel before he even saw him or before Nathaniel even saw Jesus. Jesus knew about him. Jesus answered him. Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathaniel answered him. Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Now, who, who revealed that to Nathaniel? I, I want you to tell me that. Did you hear that? You are the son of God. But didn't Philip say the um, son of Joseph? Nathaniel said the son of God. Look, ain't no contra uh, contradictory here. Is Both of them were correct. But Jesus is the son of God. So Nathaniel had the testimony of Jesus. Just like Peter did. The testimony of Jesus. You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. All right. All right. I read that for a reason. Now, let's uh, 
go to Genesis because I want to talk about how this thing thing started. Mm-hmm. How this thing started. Genesis is the beginning. Revelation is the end. Uh, what thing? Why did we need a savior? Yeah, why did we need a savior? Genesis chapter 3. And I'm only going to read verse 14 and 15. And for those of you who don't know, Moses wrote Genesis. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. Okay, and I'm only going to read uh, verses 14 and 15. I'm going to be reading from the Hallman Christian Standard Bible, okay? Um, let's start at verse 14. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, that's the devil, who deceived Eve in the Garden of Eden, because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. Verse 15. I will put hostility or either enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Now, here's the thing that he is Jesus will strike your head, strike, strike the serpent's head. That's when Christ rose from the dead. Now, when the Bible says, and you will strike his heel, that's when Christ died on the cross. Okay, he struck Christ's heel when Christ died on the cross for our sins. The serpent thought he won. But when Christ struck his head, that's when after three days and three nights, he rose from the dead. He struck the serpent's head in victory, giving us the victory. He defied death. Don't let no one tell you anything different. Now, I want you to go to Acts chapter 8. You hear me? Acts chapter 8. I want to explain to you why it is important that we have teachers rightly divide these scriptures so that you can know who Jesus is. And it is God through the Holy Spirit, which is also known as the spirit of truth, give teachers the revelation of these scriptures so that we can rightly divide it so that you won't be confused who Jesus is. So are you in Acts chapter 8? Go to verse 26. Verse 26, and I will be reading all the way to verse 40. Very important. This is Philip encountering an Ethiopian unit, okay? An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. Verse 27. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch and high official of Candace or Eva Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. This was a black man. In case you don't know, Ethiopians are black. He had come to worship in Jerusalem. This black man from Ethiopia had come to worship in Jerusalem. Verse 28 and was sitting in his chariot on his way home reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. Verse 29, the spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. Now I want, before we go to verse 30, I want to bring something to your attention. Now, initially Philip was on his way to a revival with the rest of the apostles. And he was encountered by an angel sent by God. The angel told Philip to go and meet this man who was sitting in a chariot, an Ethiopian man. 
Now, I want you to look at verse 30 when, uh, no, verse 29, the spirit told Philip. So now the spirit, the Holy Spirit is talking to Philip. The spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. Verse 30, when Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? I want you to understand this now here. Verse 30, the latter part, do you understand what you are reading? This is why we need teachers. This right here is why we need teachers, because if he if God had not sent Philip to preach the gospel to this man, that man would never have known what he was reading. And listen to the response of the Ethiopian eunuch. How can I? He said, unless someone guides me. That's what teachers are for, to rightly divide these scriptures. Now, you will have some say, yeah, Philip said Jesus, but he was talking about Mohammed. He was talking about Buddha. No, he wasn't. I didn't already prove to you in scripture. Jesus said he was the Messiah. Okay. Verse 31 again. How can I, he said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Verse 32. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was reading from the old Testament, the prophet Isaiah. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb is silent before his shearer. So he does not open his mouth. Verse 33, in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Verse 34, the eunuch replied to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about? Himself or another person? And right here, you will have false teachers put everybody named there but Jesus. But listen to Philip's response. Verse 35, so Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus. Being from that scripture, what scripture? The scripture that Isaiah was talking about, that the prophet Isaiah prophesied about the coming of the Lord Jesus. Verse um, 32 again, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. That's what happened to Jesus. And as a lamb is silent before his shearer, Jesus said nothing when he was being slaughtered, nothing when he was being beaten and taking the, the punishment for our sins. How can we disrespect Jesus? How? Ask yourself. Verse 36. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? Now, we didn't hear Philip tell him anything about baptism, but obviously Philip must have told him about being baptized because baptized, you have to remember, is symbolic to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So that's what people who... Hold fast to that testimony of Jesus. You are the Christ, the son of the living God need to do. Secondly, you need to be baptized. It don't have to be that day, that hour, but you need to follow Jesus in water baptism. Okay. Verse 36. Again, as they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? 37. And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And then he replied, he who, the Ethiopian eunuch, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. That may not be in your Bible. Just that last sentence of verse 37, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. It is not in the NIV. It is not in the ESV. That's one of the reasons I switched Bibles. Why it's not there, I don't know. But it doesn't matter because Philip preached to him Jesus. And our testimony is, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. And you can also say, I believe Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. But you have to remember 
that there are some Bibles who don't have everything in it according to the Hebrew scriptures or the Greek scriptures. Uh, Isaiah was written in Hebrew. And I want to also bring this to your attention. That Ethiopian eunuch was reading Hebrew, one of the most difficult languages to learn. Uh-huh. This intelligent black man who worked for a rich black queen, the queen of Ethiopia. Okay, verse 39. When they came up out of the water. Now, I want you to listen. They came up out of the water. So what does that mean? They were in water. They weren't sprinkled on the head. They were in the water. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. His, look, his mission was accomplished. And the eunuch did not see him any longer, but he went on his way rejoicing. Rejoicing what? That he was saved. He was saved. He had the confession and the testimony of Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And he would not have known that had Philip not been led by that angel. What if Philip had ignored the angel? And ignored that mission. That would have been a lost soul there. A lost soul. But I also wanted to bring to your attention. They came up out of the water. They went down in the water. Should Maybe in some of your um, versions of the Bible. But they also came up out of the water. They weren't sprinkled on the head. Catholics don't baptize their, their um, people. What they do is sprinkle water on their foreheads. Now that's sad. That's sad because this is in the Catholic Bible. I have that too. I read it. I started to read from it. I just don't feel like switching. This is in it that they went down in the water following the teachings and the doctrine, which simply means teachings of the apostles. Um, the latter part of 39, but he went on his way rejoicing. The Ethiopian eunuch did the last scripture. Verse 40, Philip appeared to appeared in Zatas. And he was traveling and evangelizing all the towns until he came to Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi. And that's it. It goes into uh, chapter nine, talking about the conversion of Paul. He was sawed in. But you guys need to understand, you need a teacher to rightly divide these scriptures. So, and that's what's happening to people who are just reading the Old Testament without someone rightly dividing, telling you what these prophets mean and who they are talking about. This is why my next um, series, and it's going to be a series that's probably going to last about two or three months where I'm going to be comparing scriptures that the prophet said to, um, scriptures and testimonies that Jesus said, and you will clearly see where Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy of these prophets. Okay. Now I hope, look, I hope you guys were enlightened. I hope you were edified. I hope you Receive the truth. I hope you are rejoicing because if you don't have the confession of Jesus, you will have it after this, this message is over. We are to be kind. We are to be nice and to treat people like Christ treated them. Hallelujah. I appreciate each and every one of you for listening. Remember that Jesus is the chief cornerstone that the builders, the religious leaders rejected. Hallelujah for the blood that he shed on Calvary's cross. So if there is anyone under the sound of my voice who don't hold the testimony of Jesus, come on, call family members, call friends, pause the tape, bring them before this message and repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I understand that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I can't save myself. In your word it says 
that if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, and I am confessing right now that he is the Christ, he is your son, you are the true and living God, and I truly believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead, I know he is seated at your right hand right now, alive and well. Because I confess that, Lord, your word says I'm saved. Amen. Hallelujah. If you said that simple prayer, my friends, trust me, you are saved by grace, not by works. There's nothing else that you need to do. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. All you can render is your confession. Your confession and your statement. Your testimony. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Hallelujah. So until next time, saints, I want you guys to stick to the Word of God, continue to listen to learning Bible truth, continue to follow preachers and teachers in the body of Christ that are rightly dividing these scriptures. Meaning, every time they share a message, it's not going to be one that makes you feel good. You have to hear the truth. If you don't know the word, you can't build your faith. The Bible is clear. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We serve a kind God, a merciful God, a, a God full of grace. And all we have to do is render our testimony. Hallelujah. So until next time, peace out. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. I should note that you must be a follower of my show to submit a voice message. So don't forget to click the follow button. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated and used to help further the gospel. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. English Standard Version. Please sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart, because God loves a cheerful giver. Now until next time, my sisters and brothers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. And remember, continue to walk with Jesus. 
I thank you for tuning in, and I hope to see you next time.